From the studios of Advancing Vibrant Communities in Modesto, California, this is Lighthouse Live Radio on the Lighthouse Live International Podcasting Network. Welcome to Lighthouse Live, the radio voice of advancing vibrant communities. Our mission is to motivate believers to move out from the four walls of the church to personally serve the needs of their neighborhoods. Get ready for a no-holds-barred, honest look at the Christian lifestyle the way Christ commanded it to be. All that and more coming right up here on Lighthouse Live. And good evening to you, wherever you may be. Pastor Mike Douglas here with you on Lighthouse Live, along with Elaine Harlan, our producer and co-host, and, of course, our prayer intercessor, the inimitable Mr. Owl, Al Ramsey, and running around here, of course, the uh, the Energizer Bunny, John uh, Engel, as well. There he went. You never know. He's so fast. And uh, we'll introduce you to our special guest tonight uh, in just a couple of minutes as we look at what God is doing around the world and some wonderful initiatives here. Before we do that, though, let's check in quickly from our friends from Voice of the Martyrs. What will people think when they hear that I'm a Jesus freak? What will people do when they find that it's true? Hey, what's up? This is Michael Tate with the real-life story of husband and wife Jesus freaks who stuck it out. When God called Juan and Maria to evangelize the indigenous tribes of Colombia, they knew it wouldn't be easy. They even understood when more than 20 pastors fled the area. Leftist military groups had begun terrorizing churches. Armed guerrillas would barge into services and demand the tithes and offerings while holding pastors at gunpoint. But Juana Maria saw these terrorists as men in need of a savior. Traveling between villages one day, Juan met 50 of them, shared the gospel with them, and 20 came to Christ. As Juan said, they exchanged pistols for epistles. Jesus Freaks Radio is brought to you by DC Talk, the voice of the martyrs, and this station. For more, go to persecution.com. And back with you live here at Lighthouse Live. Again, our uh, welcome to those of you who are joining us around the world. And we're from Paris to Malaysia, Vietnam, wow. Israel. I mean, just uh, great. And Canada, yes, <laughs> a neighbor, but a uh, few vis- visitors, uh, new visitors from Canada. We welcome uh, you as well. Just a reminder, friends, so we don't have an update today from Brad Dacus and the Pacific Justice Institute, because we want to remind you that he will be here uh, with his team on August 13. That's a Wednesday, and this is a meeting uh, for pastors and ministry leaders regarding the recent Supreme Court decision here in California that affects us. Brad will be uh, telling us about the legal implications of all that. Uh, again, his team will be here. It is uh, free to you. We'll have prayer from noon to uh, 1230. And then Brad will begin at 1230 and we'll uh, disconnect at uh, 2 p.m. So again, that's uh, Wednesday, April 3rd, or <laughs> Wednesday, August. Started with an A, didn't it? <laughs> Wednesday, August 3rd. And that's from noon uh, until 2. And if you'd like more information on that, you're welcome to give us a call here at Advancing Vibrant Communities, 209-544-9571. That's 209-544-9571. Let's take a quick look at the Volunteer Center of the United Way Linda Hand list this week. The United Way and Kaiser Permanente's Neighbors in Health 
2008, a free community health fair for the medically insured and underinsured families will be held on Sunday, August, started to do that April thing, it's catching, <laughs> August 17th from 8 to 3 at Kaiser Permanente Central Valley Facilities. Uh, Neighbors in Health will be celebrating its 11th year in Stockton, 9th year in Manteca, and its 6th year in Modesto, and United <laughs> Way is the presenting sponsor of this year's event. Medical professionals will provide free services to thousands, including a children's clinic. That's free immunizations and medical dental, hearing, school entry, and sports exams, uh, women's exams, and men's exams as well. Lots of screenings, diabetes, uh, blood pressure, cholesterol, all those things. No charge laboratory and pharmacy services for the day of the fair only, plus referrals to no-cost or low-cost services and follow-up exams. Now, volunteers are needed to help in all aspects of the fair, including non-medical volunteers, uh, interpreters to help physicians with patient contact and test results, uh, to help out directing uh, patients to appropriate services and information booths, children's activities of all sorts, registration, uh, patient forms, food services, and medical volunteers, nurses, physicians' assistants, doctors, dentists, dentists are needed as well. Three volunteer shifts are available, so this would be a, a very worthwhile thing to get involved in. They do this uh, just about every year. Mm. They've been doing this uh, a long time now. Habitat for Humanity, Stanislaw County, an area close to Mr. Al's heart. <laughs> he sleeps. No, he's praying through this. Uh, build homes <laughs> alongside, <laughs> as he's building homes alongside low-income families uh, while they build their dream of home ownership. And uh, very serious about this, and we know that uh, Mr. Al uh, is very into this. Volunteer skilled and unskilled assist in all areas of house construction <laughs> and clean up under trained supervision. Uh, they clean up under trained and supervision while they uh, build homes and hope. Volunteers are needed in the next few weeks to begin building homes Tuesday through Saturday <coughs> between, between 9 and 3 on the New Hope Village Project. And you've been very active in the New Hope Village Project, have you not? No? And uh, first-time volunteer orientations are usually held uh, every Thursday at 1230 uh, or the second Saturday of each month at 11 a.m. Volunteers should be at least 16 years of age or older, and individuals and groups are welcome. Habitat for Humanity addresses the problem <coughs> of poverty housing by building uh, homes in partnership with families who provide sweat equity. We like that. And benefit from no-interest loans to purchase their new homes. United Samaritans Foundation also doing a great service, preparing and delivering meals to the needy in uh, Stanislaw County through the United Samaritans Foundation Daily Bread Ministries. Volunteers are needed to assist with meal preparation, uh, distributing those meals from the United Samaritans lunch trucks and cleanup. Volunteer shifts are available weekdays from 8.30 in the morning until 4.30. Uh, all Houston, Modesto, and Turlock sites Volunteers may also help sort and prepare food boxes at the Turlock site and help out with the vehicle and general cleanup at all the sites. United Samaritans Foundation Daily Bread <coughs> Ministries providing hot meals or bag lunches to the needy of Stanislaw County weekdays from its kitchens in Houston, Modesto, and Turlock. Doing a great service uh, for a long, long time, we might add. And you might want to contact Barbara Borba if you have any questions on any of uh, these services. She's at 209-524-1307, extension 113, or you can contact her by email. She's at bborba at uastand.org. And uh, 
Also, you can contact us. We are very accessible at 209-544-9571. Even though we uh, have a little reprieve from the extreme heat of last mm. week's high triple-digit uh, temperatures, here at ABC, the needs list for donated goods are as follows. Refrigerators in good working condition, please. Uh, air conditioners, window units, swamp coolers and fans and the like. Last but not least, beds and dressers. So once again, you can contact us at 209 209- Uh, We met uh, this week's guests through our networking and contacts uh, at CMN, our city ministry network. Our listeners hear us refer to CMN from time to time. And it's just a a real pleasure uh, to have with us from uh, the Ministry of World Relief, William Cannon and Joy Dorman. We want to welcome you both. Uh, thank so you. William thank you. And, and, and Joy, just uh, thank, thank you, you for your time. The world part is pretty big, right? Meaning the, the world and the relief. Where, where does that come in, Joy? You want to explain well, what the relief uh, World Relief is an international relief and development agency working through local churches uh, in foreign countries as well as in the United States. And we seek to serve the poorest of the poor in whatever circumstances they find themselves. So that's our real connection to the church because the goods and services that we offer don't go through a government agency. They go directly through the church. So the church receives the recognition and God receives the glory. So that's the way we work. And I would imagine in in today's political environment uh, internationally that that's a major advantage that Many of those resources aren't going through uh, governments, right? There's yes. a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, hanky-panky that occurs in, in that yeah. process, mm-hmm. isn't there? Right. Yeah. Well, you can't be the hands and feet of Jesus if you're working in a bureaucratic situation. Amen. So yes. Amen. this allows local church members to participate in the ministry, and they know the language and the circumstances better than anyone. So. Absolutely. Now, we met you, like I, I was mentioning, at CMN. How long have you guys been actually in Modesto? We've been in Modesto about um, 15 years. Uh, we started with uh, refugee resettlement, which is what we do in the United States, and any kind of ministries that would serve that population, immigrants and refugees. And we started here with the Russian-Ukrainian immigrants and uh, currently we're working with the Syrian and uh, Iraqi-Iranian uh, people. So, and William, you have a, an interesting gig, as it yes. were, at World Relief. What is your part? Uh, well, I started working with uh, World Relief about uh, six months ago, uh, probably. Uh, my job is to contact churches. Since World Relief was established by churches, uh, you know, we depend on churches. I knock on churches' doors, ask them for uh, help, because we always need volunteers. We need donations, uh, because we have people that come uh, to United States. They're tired. Uh, they they went uh, through so much stress and suffering, and they're so much in need. So we try to do our best to uh, provide. We find them a place to stay. We try to find them a job. We try to uh, give them furniture and all household items. Um, so we're always in need for donations and volunteers to help us. And you've done your part. You've helped us uh, many times. 
and my my job is to knock on churches' doors and ask for these things. Yeah. How how do the uh, immigra- immigrants get in touch? How do they get connected with you in the in the first place? Uh, well, uh, through their relatives, most of the times, right? Most of I the time. I think Joy would answer this question better. Uh, to the best of my knowledge, uh, most of the immigrants, they have sponsors here. And their sponsors come to our office, and then that's how we got connected. You know, they try to bring their relatives here to get mm-hmm. united together. And, of course, we have uh, some free cases, and Joy will talk about that in details probably. Uh, Refugee ministry is a family reunification ministry, Uh, but we always have those who have no family, and those we refer to as free cases, not because they're free, but because they don't have any connection Mm -hmm. here. Mm -hmm. So um, there's plenty of work to do, but uh, many times uh, one of the one of the concerns that we have is that you have refugees sponsoring their relatives who are also coming as refugees. So many times the sponsoring relative doesn't really have the resources to provide for that family, for the new family coming the way that, you know, we'd like to see. And so that's why we need the additional help from from the Christian community uh, to kind of fill in the gaps where the the local family can't provide for them. You mentioned knocking on the church's doors, William. How are you received? Well, most of the churches are, you know, receiving us uh, very well. And, you know, most of the churches, they have uh, so much uh, pressure, you know, of their own. Um, and, you know, we've been... Um, getting promises, to be honest, uh, from many churches to get involved. I've been doing this uh, for, uh, like I said, six months. And uh, most of the churches, they they welcome me when I go there. Uh, they um, try to do their best. And we're so far, we still, you know, I'm still in touch with the churches. William, how did you come in contact with World Relief? Yeah. Okay, good question. <laughs> I have... I have a, a TV program. I preach the gospel in Assyrian. And at that time, I had only one program that I was going, you know, like once a month on uh, an Assyrian TV station that goes all over the world. And uh, that's how uh, World Relief contacted me because they, they needed someone that is known by the Assyrian people and that knows God's word to do this job. So God put in their heart uh, to call me. They contact me. They asked me. And I was, all this time that I was uh, sharing God's word with my people, I was praying that God would use me to help my mm. people also. Mm. I wanted uh, to uh, uh, do it on my own. I was looking for a warehouse. I was trying to ask for donations from people so I would give to the poor people, the people that are in need. That way we show the love of Christ by action. I don't want just to preach, but I don't want to do it uh, in action. And while I was thinking about this, I was trying, you know, I couldn't do it by myself. It was very hard by myself. Mm -hmm. And I asked many people, I tried to knock on organizations' doors to get involved in this, but they didn't do much. And here's, you know, suddenly this phone call came from Waterleaf. They asked me to do exactly the same thing I was, you know, thinking about. I was praying about it. 
Um, and um, so I accepted it right away because I know it was uh, an answer for, for, for the prayer. And as soon as I started working with World Relief, this was six months ago, I had one TV program. I was going on air once a month. Now I go five times a week, wow. not a month. Wow. So I have two right. programs on this uh, station that is in Michigan that goes all over the world. It's called uh, ABN, Aramaic Broadcasting Network. And then I have three local uh, programs on the local station here. So we can get you here. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and you're worldwide, kind of like the broadcast. Broadcast. Hey. Joy. How uh, how is World Relief constructed? Uh, I would assume that you're one of many uh, offices throughout the country. There's uh, 23 offices throughout the United States uh, doing some form of the same thing that we do here locally. Um, we have uh, ESL uh, services. We have employment services. Uh, we do uh, furniture ministry. Uh, just if you think about people who come here that generally don't know the language, probably 95% of them don't speak English, and they come with the clothes on their back and a little plastic bag that has all of their medical information and their biographical information, in it, and that's generally all they have. And so the needs are great, and I can tell you these offices are busy. Uh, yeah. So that's where the the construction of the whole thing is. We actually work under the NAE, the National Association okay. of Evangelicals, mm -hmm. and um, we're not quite as closely associated with them as we were a few years back, and they've debated whether we just need to be our own uh, entity, but they've decided to stay with that. So that's kind of the connection that we have. What about the history of World Relief? How did it, uh, how did it begin originally? Uh, World Relief was an outgrowth of uh, the end of World War II when mm. there were so many refugees and displaced persons in Europe. And uh, Christians and pastors uh, recognized the need and began to put something together that could uh, help rebuild the churches and the communities in, in Europe. And it's just grown since then. Uh, that was in 1946, I think. Wow. Um, and in 1982, I believe it was 80 or 82, we began doing uh, refugee ministry here locally and across the country. So. Now, where do the majority, and I would imagine it's just probably across the board, where are the majority of the immigrants coming from that you and the uh, refugees? We've had uh, refugees from uh, the Southeast Asian area, mm -hmm. Laos, Cambodia, mm -hmm. Vietnam. Uh, we've had uh, the former Soviet Union, which is many countries represented uh -huh. there, uh, Burma, Iran, Iraq, Cuba, uh, Haiti, uh, African nations, um, just, <laughs> I don't even know how to name all wow. of them. There's just so many. I'm always interested in the lives that have been changed yeah. and touched yeah. by your ministry. Let's talk a little bit about okay. that, Joy and William. Well, you know, my, uh, the first boss that I had in World Relief, he said, you know, Joy, you're going to be surprised at the people that you see in heaven that know mm -hmm. who you are, that oh. you don't know them. Mm -hmm. And I think that that really, 
was good for me to hear that because what you do, you want it to have some eternal value. And yet in working with these families, my my situation, because I don't speak their language, often I don't have that interaction with them like I would like to have. I love them, but I just, you know, it's just difficult because of the language and because my responsibilities call for different things. But uh, I think that that's accurate. I know that we impact lives every day. Uh, we have, my husband and I started with our local church. We went to uh, Thailand and worked in the refugee camps for a short period of time. Wow. We sponsored many families that had no relatives anywhere, but they still had to leave their country. And... Um, over the years, we've just developed some really sweet relationships, families that we paid to get part of their relatives out of the communist, you know, area mm-hmm. uh, to a place where we could get them here. And, uh, you know, they just become lifelong friends. They're just a treasure to us and um, just wonderful people. I, I don't think... I can't remember a refugee that I didn't love, and I think part of it is you just put yourself, that could just as easily be us, Sure, you know. Absolutely. We listened to Voice of the Martyrs here earlier, and and they're with us every week. Um, Talk a little bit about it, because, you know, poverty is relative. Right. You know, depending on where you are in the world. Right. Let's talk about some of the conditions um, that these refugees (laughs) are, are leaving and uh, what, what the, the situations that they're coming from. What? You know, I, for whatever reason, God has seen fit to send us mostly Christian refugees, mm. which is not, not the same in all offices, but I think probably about 85% of ours have come from the persecuted church. Yeah. And, and that's why they're coming, because mm. they are persecuted. There's a terrible loss of life in Iran and Iraq for Christians there because they're such a minority in in a population that just doesn't want to tolerate them. And so in every country, to some degree, that is the case. Uh, it seems odd to me that Christians would be the ones that are singled out for, you know, that kind of treatment, but it seems to be pretty consistent. And I don't know if it's just because that's the population that I've dealt the most with, I see it the most. It's a blessing to me because, you know, you want to help God's people as well as the others, and so we've really had the opportunity to do that. But they're leaving some some really serious. They don't come here as refugees unless it's serious in their homeland. So, you've helped them in the, those faraway places, and yet you're helping them here in your homeland yeah. too. Yeah. Just last week, Joy, you contacted AVC and the three ladies that came from Iraq. And Mm -hmm. uh, it was an apartment that you were getting ready for them. And you had like (laughs) 24 hours or less to get the apartment ready. And it was just a a joy, uh, if you will, (laughs) to help you uh, prepare that for them. Mm -hmm. And how did that turn out? You know, it turned out really good. This was a free case, which meant they had no relatives here. And I was really concerned because there were three young women, I think 24, 29, and 32. They're sisters. And they had no relatives here, and nobody was coming with them. So I knew that there had been problems in their life or that would not have been the case. And so we really wanted some place that would be restful and peaceful for them when they arrived. 
And uh, we had rented the apartment prior to their arrival, and we had some furnishings to go in it, but nobody to help carry them up the stairs. <laughs> oh, I, I'm not renting any more upstairs apartments. Oh, we hear you there. But I'm telling you. I was on vacation <laughs> that time that. they came. Uh-huh. But uh, Elaine sent over uh, Chris. I don't even know Chris's last name, but thank you, Chris, if you hear this. <laughs> and uh, he set up the beds, uh, which... You know, for me by myself was a pretty major mm. obstacle. So I was very grateful and it was very, very hot that day. And mm. so he had those beds set up by about ten thirty, eleven o'clock. Mm. And uh we were able to put the apartment together for the girls before they arrived. Mm. So well, that's that's wonderful. You know, yeah. our volunteers tell us that they get so much more from giving and serving mm-hmm. than yes. the people who, sure. who they exactly. serve. And, and that's just a, a wonderful thing. William, yeah, your yeah. family, wh- how are they affected by what you're doing? And, and tell us a little bit about uh, the stories that, that you have to, to share. Well, uh, my fam- my own family, mm-hmm. like my, my, my family are in Chicago. So they're far away from far here. Away. They're all living oh, in Chicago. Yeah. I'm here with my wife and my children only. We don't have any... Uh, family members here uh, but still you know my family uh, they're happy because I'm doing this they've been through it we've all been through it uh, because we can one day we were refugees we came to the United States and we know how it feels when you come here uh, you don't speak the language mm-hmm. you don't have enough money and you don't know your ways you don't know where to go what to do and you're <coughs> almost lost and uh, especially now, most of the families that are coming are probably from Iraq and Iran that are coming, uh, you know, through Jordan and Syria. And, and they are so stressed out because of the war situation. Sure. Uh, like the three ladies that we were talking about, mm-hmm. they have two of the, their mother and father died. They have mm-hmm. two of their uh, brothers are kidnapped. And they, it's been wow. three years, probably two or three mm-hmm. years, and they they don't it's know what happened to them. About five years. Five yeah. years, and they don't yeah. know what happened mm-hmm. to them. So you know, it feels good when you help people that are so stressed out. Really, you know, sometimes we do hard job, like Joy said. You know, you have to lift stuff, take it to the second floor, and and uh, you know the weather is hot, and but then after all, it's worth it when you see. Uh, the smile on the people's face and I have many people come to me and say uh, William we will never forget this I have one guy he repeated three times he came after me as I was going to my car uh, he said I'll never forget this three times he repeated that. Mm. so it's really good feelings mm. so you've ex- you've experienced what the people you're ser- serving are experiencing now yes you've been through and then that gives you a special empathy yes because i myself left iraq uh, during the war with iran in 1981 mm-hmm. i had to go to jordan escape to jordan by bus because the airplane was closed at that time because of war from jordan i went to italy uh, from italy i went to greece wow. i stayed in greece for five years uh then I came to the United States. Wow. So it's not easy when you go to so many countries and wherever you go, you know, you don't speak the language. You have to get adapted to the culture and, and then find a job. You don't speak the language. No one wants to give you a job. And uh, so it's really, it's really hard. And I know how they feel. How old were you when you came to know the Lord? When I came, I was 22 years old. Yeah. I left when I was 16. I got to the United States. I left Iraq. I was 16 years old. I came to the United States. I was 22 years old. Mm. Yeah. 
Mm. Tell us about your five years in Greece. What was that like? Well, it was, you know, Greece is a wonderful country. You know, uh, at the time when I, when we escaped, you know, Iraq, uh, it was, you know, during war. And, uh, you know, at night there was no light, you know, for one year, you know, I, you know, the, the war lasted like 10 years almost, but I was in Iraq for one year during the war. And, and when I went to Greece, the first thing that when I saw the lights, I was like amazed. Oh, I see lights <laughs> at night, you know. So it was, um, uh, wonderful to see, wonderful experience to see myself in a, uh, democratic country because the government in Iraq was much different, you know, sure. than the government in Greece and, uh, then, but you know, uh, it was very hard for me. Like when I got there, I was excited, but then the next day I got up, you know, I faced reality. Now I have to find a job. I have to learn the language. Um, so it was hard and it was, uh, uh, good experience at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. This week we are with World Relief, William Cannon and Joy Dorman, and uh, we'll have lots more right after. A point of grace and all the world on Lighthouse Live. All the world is a story.
Grace and All the World on Lighthouse Live. Don't you love the beautiful harmonies of that group? Mm-hmm. Nothing like it. Pastor Mike and Elaine, along with World Relief, Joy Dorman and William Cannon. So glad to have you guys with us uh, this week. It's wonderful what you're doing in Thank all you. the world. And just pleased to have you with us. Just wondering what encouragement you would give to volunteers here on a local basis to uh, get involved, more involved, if you will, with World Relief. Joy, what would you say? Uh, I think I would just say that so many of the act- activities of our culture leave you empty. Mm-hmm. And when you invest yourself in another person's life, it's an investment in your own life in a sense Amen. as well. Uh, it's just a blessing uh, that you don't forget and they don't forget either. And I know God doesn't forget it because he loves the poor. He loves those in need, right. and we have an opportunity to really minister to them. We've talked uh, during this past half hour about immigrants coming in and, and serving their needs. You also have opportunities for volunteers to go out as well, right, to, to, to touch people. Are you talking about internationally yeah. now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, World Relief uh, does send uh, people overseas, but most of what we do overseas is done with the local populations there. We have directors for different areas of the world, for Africa, for Asia, uh, for South America. Uh, so most of the organizational things are done by our staff working with pastors, local pastors in those areas, and then the volunteers come from their churches and from the community. And that there. creates a powerful dynamic when it's the indigenous people Absolutely. who are taking care of business in their, in their own community. So you're empowering them exactly. to, uh, to be even more effective yeah. in their own areas. What are some of the challenges that uh, a lot of the people that you work with internationally face locally, and, and how does World Relief help them and equip them to, uh, to help their own people? I think that poverty is just a common denominator around the world for many, many countries. And when you look at Africa, you've got the AIDS epidemic. You've got the uh, just the upheaval of governments constantly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we have uh, – what you have in those countries as a result of that is you have a lot of single moms raising kids. Mm-hmm. You have a lot of orphans as well with the HIV problem. But – we have a, a small, what we call a micro-enterprise loan that we do with single mothers. We do it with families as well, but we focus on single mothers. And it's, it's a small loan for a home-type business. And they go in, they, they go to a village or a community, and they find a group of women that have something that they can do to raise their standard of living. <clears throat> and so they make these, they're very small loans. They're, I mean, they're a pittance hmm. for us. We could never run a business on what they do. But it it does bring in additional income. Their kids are able to go to school again. Uh, they're able to get medicine for their kids. They're able to feed them better. And they have a, a child and maternal health program that, runs parallel with that so that the moms are getting good information about nutrition, about clean water, uh, about uh, how to treat 
diarrhea because that's a real problem mm-hmm. in those countries. Yes. Many children, especially the small children, die mm. because the mothers really don't know how to to take care of them. And so it's kind of a parallel program. And once they pay off that first loan, they can go back and get a larger loan the next time so that they can build, you know, a substantial livelihood for their families. And it's never... It's never luxurious by any imagination, but it does get them the basic necessities that they need to keep those kids healthy, to get them educated. and Well, and to have some dignity in the process. Exactly, too, right? yeah. exactly. We have over 100,000 women in that program wow. right now. Oh, my goodness. Amen. Joy, you mentioned making an investment uh, into uh, time mm-hmm. uh, just a, a few minutes ago. And... A lot of times when you make just a, a small <coughs> investment into the time, uh, into the life of another individual, sometimes it doesn't mean a huge amount of time. No. Sometimes just a little bit goes a long way. And let's let's talk about that for just a moment because as a volunteer, you can make a huge impact oh, into yeah, the lives sure. of other people. And regardless of who we are, Each of us have been given gifts and talents, and the Lord intends for us to use that. And you you also mentioned that God is watching. Others are watching us as well, aren't Mm -hmm. they? Pastor Mike preached at a church yesterday here locally, well, actually in Oakdale, and we oftentimes share the the scripture in 1 Peter Mm 2.12, where others are watching us. Mm -hmm. The world is watching us. And what we're doing with our lives makes a difference. And if we use our, our gifts and talents to invest into the lives of others. So speak to that just a little bit. Maybe both of you can address that. Um, I think if you look at a refugee, they come with, with very low language skills, often not transferable job skills either. Mm-hmm. And one of the first things that we want to do is to help them become self-sufficient. We don't want to see them in the welfare system, especially not for a long period of time. And so if you could imagine yourself sitting down at a table <clears throat> reviewing uh, English words that pertain to a certain job, if they have a skill, or just basic English that somebody could give them directions on a job of what they wanted them to do, Uh, maybe doing practice interviews, uh, maybe taking them to the interview, Uh, just any way, just in that one situation that you would interact with them, how, how empowering that is for them, how encouraging that is for them, because they don't know anybody here. They don't know how to accomplish these things on their own. We have five people in the office, and there's no way that we can meet all of the needs that are presented. Each case is different. Each family is different. Each person is different. And that's just one example. Uh, we need uh, ESL, that's English Second Language, tutors and mentors. We have a boy who's 17 years old, and this is the volunteer that you brought to us, Kay, right. uh, who has never been to school. And he's so frustrated because now he's in high school and he cannot function. Bless his heart. And so, you know, we're looking forward to what God's going to do in that situation. And he has a sister who's 19. She has had some basic education, but but not a lot. I mean, these families have just been so deprived. And that's part of the refugee experience 
in a very broad sense. Uh, they've just not had the medical care that they need, the preventive care, uh, the nutrition, the education, everything that we take for granted that is part of building a stable life, they've been denied. And so it doesn't take very much time for somebody to come in and begin to put some salve on those wounds and get those things taken care of. We have a lot of mechanisms in this culture to assist, but you have to get them there. You have to work with them a little bit so that they can, you know, grab hold and and do what they need to do for themselves. You know, when the Lord says to love your neighbor... As, as you love yourselves, we need to think about that, don't we, William? Absolutely. Yes, exactly. What would you say to that? Yes, exactly. Just like you said, you know, <coughs> it's not just enough to say, Lord, Lord. Jesus himself uh, said it's not enough just to say, Lord, Lord, but we have to do the will of God. And what's the will of God? It's to love our neighbor. It's to love God from all our heart, our mind, and soul, to love our strength, and, and to love our neighbor like ourselves. And if we love our neighbor ourselves, you know, uh, we have to uh, help them, we have to be there for them, and we have to see uh, what their needs are. And, um, you know, Jesus uh, also said, I want to mention this, I was uh, hungry and you gave me food, mm-hmm. I was thirsty and you gave me drink, I was a stranger and you welcomed me, I was naked and you clothed me, I was sick and you visited me, I was in prison and you came to me. Then he went on to say, Truly I say to you, as did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. And I I think uh, many times we miss that dynamic in the Western church, you know, that uh, as as we're serving others, really we are serving Christ himself. And those two commandments really go together. Love God with everything you have, heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbors yourself. When we're loving our neighbors as ourselves, we're loving God in the process. Yes. We're, we're we're serving Him. What did it mean to you as uh, as you came uh, here and and things were new and having been in other parts of the world in Greece and coming here? What did, how did it make you feel when when people welcomed you and reached out and, and helped you? Really, it gives you hope because mm. you come here and you feel like you are a stranger, but you when you see you know um, when you see people welcoming you shown you love then you feel like home you know you you don't you don't get homesick you know you forget all those uh, uh, memories that all the uh, you know you can't forget your friends and relatives but at least you know when you see people welcoming you and treating you good and then you know uh, it gives you hope to start your new life in your new country you feel like you have a new family amen Amen. We've got so much more with uh, World Relief, and we'll be back with more right after this. Deep needs, deep hurts, spreading far beyond the government's ability to help. Children, single moms and dads, the elderly, disabled, the homeless. Yet, thousands of resources that can meet those needs are sitting right now in the pews and seats of our churches. The challenge? Activating those resources and connecting them with the people in need. We have a proven solution, advancing vibrant communities. We bridge the gap. We connect people and churches with opportunities to serve the needs of their neighbors. Pure, simple, proven effective. 
advancing vibrant communities. What's our motivation? Jesus' command in Matthew 22:39 to love your neighbor as yourself. The church at large has a biblical mandate to serve the needs of the community. Advancing Vibrant Communities researches those needs, then finds volunteers with the skills and passions to meet those needs. The very first story that Mike told about ABC involved serving one of my church members whose needs I could not meet within my own community. And in that moment, God humbled me and asked me to open my heart and really listen. And as I saw the setup of the database, I realized that AVC is a wonderful partner with my own congregation. It helps us be more effective. This organization comes along and says, I'll do a lot of the groundwork and we'll discover the needs. And then those folks in your congregation who desire to be a part and who have these skills can volunteer. AVC partners with over 80 community and government agencies to help meet the needs of the city. We network with organizations like Habitat for Humanity, the American Red Cross, Salvation Army, the Area Agency on Aging, the School District, and the Police Department. Habitat and AVC is a perfect match in that we both have common missions of helping people get out of the four walls of the church, getting out into the community and helping others. AVC serves volunteers by finding ways for them to help others. AVC serves the needy through volunteer efforts with love, grace, mercy, and compassion. AVC serves churches by augmenting efforts to reach out and meet the needs of their neighbors. AVC serves businesses by helping create healthy neighborhoods, by connecting employees with opportunities to volunteer, and by providing opportunities to donate goods and services to legitimate needs in the community. Well, it works. And I, I, I believe that as in our companies, as being uh, formerly a businessman in, in, in Stanislaus County and, and uh, other counties in the state as, as, as well, that uh, our companies were only as, as successful as our weakest link. And I believe that to be the same case in our communities and in our cities, that we can only be as much as we're going to be based upon the capacity and the ability of others to participate at an increased level and quality of, of life. You know, some of us can do, donate a little money, some a little time, some one or the other or both. It really touched my heart that these strangers were interested in me and what I needed in my life. You know, it's not only hearing it, but it's seeing them, and it's being there in person and seeing the, the need that they have and hopefully being able to do something about it. I will tell you, as you know, your chief of police in the city of Modesto, we need your help in the community making a difference. Volunteer, I know we can put you to work. And I, I promise you, if you get involved, you'll feel better. You'll be happier. How can we partner with you to meet the needs of our city? We ask you to consider monthly financial support and to help recruit more volunteers. Advancing Vibrant Communities. Faith in action. Pure, simple, proven effective. Carrying out the biblical mandate to love our neighbors as ourselves. Thank you. 
And we're back with you on Lighthouse Live and appreciate you tuning in wherever that may be for you. We are with World Relief this week, Joy Dorman and William Cannon, and so glad to be. Now, on a local level, how can we encourage those folks to get involved? Joy, you mentioned some activities. How can we do that? And how can we also uh, let people know how to contact you? Uh, We have... Needs. I think every volunteer organization has needs. Oh, yeah. I haven't found any that didn't. <laughs> um, but a couple of the things I think that are the most vital uh, is the employment ministry that I mentioned earlier, because that's critical. We need to get these people to work, because if we don't, our government will not continue to mm-hmm. reunite these families. So that's a critical issue for them. Um, one of the other things uh, is that we we need uh, assistance with our furniture ministry. Uh, last, about two weeks ago, um, a lady gave us a wonderful storage unit for this month, and we we packed it and unpacked it, and we lost a lot of furniture before that time because we had no place to put it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I would say if anybody has some place that we could use on a more permanent basis, that would be very well For storage? For mm-hmm. storage, okay. yeah. Mm-hmm. For furniture and household items. How do they get a hold of you? Uh, you can reach uh, William or I at uh, area code 209. The number is 526-4051. So. Again, friends, that number, 209-526-4051, World Relief. You mentioned a couple of minutes ago, and and you also alluded to it, William, the fact that uh, many immigrants come and refugees come with skills, but non-transferable skills, Mm -hmm. skills that are not necessarily needed here. Uh, How do you you go out and find employers that uh, specifically have a heart uh, for immigrants, or how, how do you find that uh, the training for them? Well, our hope with the Assyrian community is that they will step up to the plate and help us with this particular group. Mm-hmm. And uh, we haven't seen it happen yet, but mm-hmm. we're really just now getting up to speed on that. Uh, we take our, our people over to um, employment development. They will help them develop a resume and help them get registered for different jobs. And most of our refugees are computer literate, so there's a lot that they can do to help themselves. Um, We also have uh, three or four employment agencies where the employer pays for the placement. Um, But it's difficult because of the language and transportation is a problem. Uh, So they really need help from outside of, you know, organized employment services so there's a, a willingness to work but oh, the challenge number yeah. one i would guess is the language, language. Right. and number two is maybe developing some new skills right, right. Yeah, and transportation too sometimes yeah. sure so the area of tutoring uh there's a need there uh, also yeah so we want to encourage uh, uh abc volunteers and volunteers in general we have uh, we have curriculum that is just English language, uh, like you would go into somebody's home and just talk to them. Mm. We also have uh, curriculum that's more job-related. Uh, and I used to say before I did this, I can't do that. But you can. All you're doing is teaching somebody what you already know. And it doesn't have to be very much. Uh, to help somebody along with that process. We have one girl 
on staff who is a teacher, and she does the, our training. And so there's training available. We're not going to send you out cold turkey to do that. <laughs> and aren't you surprised, Joy and William, about the relationships that are formed? Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. Started up and ongoing yeah. as a result yeah. of these kinds of things. And the, the refugees never forget mm-hmm. because those kindnesses pay off so much in their future that they'll never forget it. And they're going to turn around and help other people. Exactly. Yes. And I would imagine with uh, the persecution around the world of the church, and it is heating up that we're going to see more and more refugees and immigrants and uh, more and more need for volunteers to, as you say, step up to the plate. Right. You know, it's a wonderful opportunity to do mission work without leaving Mm. your community. Sure. It's it's just Mm. right there on your doorstep. If you just, you know, take we, advantage of it. We are all missionaries. Absolutely. Yes. We are yeah. all yeah. ministers. Yep. Yes. And we all have the opportunity to do that, too. Yeah. We you just bet. plug in wherever. I, I yes. love the partnership that, that takes mm-hmm. takes form. I love the networking. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love the fact that we met and, and exactly. formed this. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I don't know how often that takes place with you all in this, this community that you're in. You've been here for a while. I'm glad that we had that opportunity. Well, we have not been real active all of that time. And initially when we worked with the Russian-Ukrainian families, the church was very involved with that too. Mm. And so this is our our next biggest population. Mm. Of course, you have, uh, especially in Sacramento, a high concentration of Russian uh, immigrants right. as well. And, and really here, especially in the Central Valley, we're becoming a microcosm of the world very quickly. And before we go and we're bumping the clock, we have about uh, two minutes. William, just a couple of words about your uh, television program, where it's being aired, and, and what type of feedback you're getting from around the yes, world. Yes, okay. Like I mentioned before, you know, earlier, uh, I have uh, two programs that are aired from Michigan. It goes all over the world. It's uh, called ABN, Aramaic Broadcasting Network. And then I have three other programs on a local station. Uh, and it's really, you know... Uh, uh, good news! I I really I really get so excited when I see, meet uh, people or hear from people that their life has been changed because of uh, uh, these programs, and I'm really thankful. Yeah. And uh, what channels can people hear you on, see you on here uh, locally in the Yeah, locally, locally is Channel 26 Access Modesto, and it's on uh, Sunday night at 9:30 p.m. Then Tuesday at 9 p.m. and on Friday at 3 p.m. Mm. All right, yes. we'll have to be sure and tune in mm. and watch you. Oh, and, thank you. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And uh, how about prayer requests, Joy? How can we pray for world relief internationally, locally? You know, so often in ministry, uh, you're tempted to think that everything is a money problem, mm. and it it mm. really is not a money problem. Mm. God has the resources, um, and, you know, my prayer would be, and you could pray for us, that we will see the resources that we need to take mm-hmm. care of these families. Mm-hmm. Amen. Once again, friends, the phone number for World Relief here in the local Modesto area, 209-526-4051, 209-526-4051. And our guest tonight, Joy Dorman. And William Cannon, again, the ministry is World Relief, and we encourage you to be involved. And, William, how about you? Any last-minute words? 
Any last minute request, prayer request? Uh, yes, please uh, pray for for uh, us, like uh, Joy said, to have the resources. We really need volunteers and we need donations because we have to take care of the families that are coming here that are in need. Amen. Thank you both Amen. so much thank for you. joining us. It's been a blessing. Thank, thank you. you. Thank well, you, dear friends. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening wherever you may happen to be. And may God continue to bless you as you reach out and love your neighbors as you love yourselves. <laughs>